Welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation Network. Tonight we have a very fantastic guest and a fantastic show, and I hope you guys all enjoy. I'd like to recognize several of our sponsors, Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Mike Lindell has been a force fighting a good fight, a patriot that's putting his business and his life on the line to save our republic and expose many nefarious things. So if you go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CPNN, you can get up to 66% off your purchase. And that, last but not least, I'd like to recognize the late, great Dr. Zelenko. He has left us a lot of platinum, gold, and silver bullets to fight against any bioweapon they try to send our way. And if you go to zstacklife.com and use promo code CPN, you'll get up to 5% off your purchase. And last but not least, I'd like to recognize Mary Fanning. Um, for those of you that don't, may not know of Mary, Mary Fanning is known for her absolute proof with Mike Lindell, an executive producer of the Intelligence Briefing with John D. Wells. You can listen to her on National Security Hour on America Out Loud and iHeartRadio. I highly re recommend you guys to join her Telegram channel, which is the American Report. And with further ado, I would like to introduce Mary Fanning. Mary, thank you for joining us tonight. It's, it's definitely an honor and a pleasure. Well, it's a pleasure to join you and thank you for all the work you're doing. Uh, to save this country, it's going to take us all standing together, shoulder to shoulder. So I appreciate all that you're doing. No, I appreciate you. Um, after watching these awesome Congress hearings, which I believe is very important for every American to, to put their eyes on, can you help myself and the audience to understand who is James Baker? Oh my, well, that's a funny thing that you asked that. Um, I'm sure you've seen the the, um, the piece that we wrote. It's at theamericanreport.org, theamericanreport.org. And we say, who is James Baker, this ghost? You know, we uh, we can find anything. And, um, and, and you know, it's not like you can't find John Brennan's family and who his children are and his mother and his father and his grandparents and et cetera. And um, the same is, is, was true of... Um, Robert Mueller and Bill Barr and James Comey. It was really interesting that we ran into a complete wall with James Baker. And he's an interesting guy because he comes out of the DOJ. And we really couldn't find him before he attended college, nor any of his family members. We could find his, his wife's family members. But why he is so interesting is he just came to the fore recently. And that is when Elon Musk did his Christmas Eve Twitter drop it exposed that James Baker, and he had been using a crew of 88 FBI and, C and then also CIA, and they were censoring Americans' work, journalists' work. Um, and if you're listening at Twitter spaces and, and with Matt Taibbi and, and others, um, Matt dropped the information that, that James Baker was hiding. 
And what he was hiding was our work about hammer and scorecard. Now, that was interesting for a couple of reasons. Hammer and scorecard was exposed by Dennis Montgomery, the CIA whistleblower. The CIA whistleblower went to James Baker, who had been the general counsel of the FBI. James Baker, uh, under sworn testimony that was caught on tape, told that he took data from Dennis Montgomery, Montgomery, showing that Americans were spying on, excuse me, government officials were spying on other government officials and Americans. And James Baker told that he got that data from Dennis Montgomery, that he had sent special agents down to pick up his electronic data. And after he picked that data up, he was brought to the, and it had been verified, he was brought to the FBI field office skiff for uh, three and a half hours of sworn testimony, where he received a second immunity agreement. So Baker comes out of the general counsel as the general counsel of the FBI. When Elon Musk saw that James Baker uh, was, he was destroying evidence as the general counsel, deputy general counsel at Twitter, he went in and he fired James Baker. So James Baker's very interesting because he was the one that took the data from Dennis Montgomery that proved that Hammer and Scorecard was real. He was the one that um, was working with Comey. And, and this whole cabal are the same, the very same people who are running the Russia collusion coup d'etat against President Trump. So there's no question that they were running a coup. It's admitted at this point. Nothing is, there's been no consequences for what they have done. But we now know that after they took all this data in hand, they set about to censor um, information so that it could not get out to the American people. And I often point out one thing, and um, it is that under Barack Huba, uh, Hussein Obama, he took the, the Smith Munt Modernization Act, the Smith Munt Act of 1948 that was put in place after World War II so that they could not use propaganda and brainwashing tools on the American people. Barack Obama uh, in 2012 had the Smith Modernization Act, making it legal to use propaganda on the American people. And, uh, you know, it seems that the mainstream media has certainly, um, they dive right in and that's exactly what they've been doing. They have not been bringing the truth to the American people. Yeah, that's really wild. <clears throat> that's, that's really wild. Would you well, say that the, Tables have turned as we see that information is coming out like a flood. I'll tell you what's really interesting right now, and that is that what is taking place and that what we have just seen happen, with, and, and God bless him, Representative uh, James Comer, and going after the Treasury Department that was holding this data about the Biden family that they were truly trading, you know, sleeping with the enemy, that they were taking large sums of money from China. And not only were they, and this is a CEFC deal, that's a Chinese energy company. So Hunter Biden was working with this Chinese energy company. He also attempted, um, beyond the deals he was doing them, to hand over Monkey Island. And that's very important. So you, you and we put this in the context, and there's a piece on the American Report, and it's he who owns the light bulb. 
implements communism. And why that is important is because Lenin said, you know, he who owns the light bulb implements communism because if you can control the energy, if you can control whether people have power or not, be it to drive their cars, you know, um, petroleum or uh, LNG or electricity, you get to control the people that way. So this is is a thought process all the way back to the time of Lenin. And as they took over Russia in the Bolshevik Revolution, they're doing the same thing with this whole scheme of global warming. There is no such thing as global warming. How do we know that? Because early on in the process, uh, the there was a hack at the University of East Anglia. And Dr. Michael Mann, the father of global warming, his emails and other scientists that were involved in this whole global warming scheme were telling... And, Uh, Their emails proved that they knew it was a scheme. They knew it was a fraud. And so John Coleman, they'd ended up in a lawsuit and all this was hashed out. But the media is not bringing that information to the American people. They're hiding it because this whole global warming fraud is being used to control the American people. Now, as we all know, all that nonsense from Al Gore about the ice caps and the polar bears and the woo-woo-woo, be scared to death, none of it happened. For two generations, they've been using this to brainwash and control the American people. And the idea that now we're going to have Joe Biden turn off our spigots, tell people, um, I'm I'm sure, are you aware of the 15-minute cities? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. So- And they just had that implemented in Oxford. And, um, you know, the people are paying um, fees to the mayor and the the council members. They can't go more than 15 minutes from their houses. Uh, They're not allowing, you know, cars. Um, This this whole idea, and think about this, if we only have electric cars, good luck when you take a ride out into the country, right? You think you'll make it back again? So... This this is all about control. This is all about global totalitarian control. This is the World Economic Forum. This is Klaus Schwab. And this is Harari. And as an American, and uh, especially, I often think about our, our military, our veterans. I wonder what they think when they listen to the likes of Harari telling them how they're going to live their lives and how he's going to control them and tell them what to do. I just, I just have a hard time imagining a vet taking uh, orders from the likes of Harari. Yeah, I can imagine. <clears throat> One thing that uh, brought to my attention when you were talking about the light bulb and the one who controls it, would it be possible, in your opinion, from the information that we're seeing with foreign bribery money, could there be foreign actors bidding on who's going to take control over our energy? We're already seeing that. What we saw is, you know, Hunter Biden doing these deals that we just saw Representative James Comer revealing the $5 million. And that's, that's, that's one payment of many, many. So consider that you also had uh, Yellen at, at Treasury hiding and refusing to give that documentation 
to Representative James Comer. And if you've watched him, he is livid. You know, he's sick of being lied to, but it's 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 worse, but not a lot different than the intel community that came out and swore that there was no such thing as Hunter's laptop. And they brought that, you know, information on the front news, um, front page of newspapers as we went into the 2020 election. And they claimed that there was nothing to Hunter's laptop. There is so much to Hunter's laptop, and there's still much more to come. In fact, we'll be covering that this weekend on the intelligence briefing. And um, some of the people who had the access to all that information will be on the intelligence briefing with us. Well, I definitely can't wait to to tune into that one. <clears throat> I remember uh, when we had you on here the first time, and I know we got some new members on here, which uh, it absolutely blew my mind. Can you shed light on how Hunter, Barry Satoro, Joe Biden, and many others are a national security threat to America? And especially, could you dive into how Barry Satoro was selling our ports? and how important that is a big threat to us. Well, anyone who has ever read Sun Tzu understands that you don't hand over your ports. I mean, think of uh, the national security risk that that is unto itself. You don't let anyone take over your ports. I mean, that's like handing your front door to the enemy, right? And, and letting them move in at your front door. So what happened with the ports was that, as you say, Barry Satoro, um, Barack Obama and Joe Biden, they set the table with Tiger Grants. And what they did was they, they brought Gulf Tainer. And when they brought Gulf Tainer in, they bypassed the national security threat analysis. That means they didn't do a, a committee on foreign investments in the United States. That's an, a study that has to be done before you make a lease or a purchase of anything in this country. So what they did was they brought Gulf Tainer and they gave him, they gave them, the company, access to Port Canaveral to the cargo container operations. So you've just given a Middle Eastern ports company um, Right there where our air, sea, and space command is, 1,000 feet from our Trident nuclear submarines. They're the turning basin right there. So when we looked into Gulf Tainer, we saw that the brother and business partner of the president, so Hamid Jafar, and first he had been under congressional investigation. Ken Timmerman exposed that. He was under congressional investigation for his oil for super weapons program. That means he was selling oil to fund his brother and Saddam Hussein's WMD programs. Okay. So his brother, Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar had been arrested. We had taken him in. He wouldn't speak. And then one day he finally did. And he grew, he, he didn't say anything. And he sat there and he drew the plans for a nuclear weapon. He just kept drawing for hours. And then they said, he looked up and he said, you can take it out of our land. You can take it 
out of our factories, but you can't take it out of our heads. We have it. Well, what we subsequently learned was that they did take nuclear weapons out of Baghdad. And that information came from uh, Jack Shaw, who had been um, in our Defense Department and had been in charge of these committees inside Iraq. And so so Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar had been on the Pentagon's blacklist. So this nuclear mastermind was on the blacklist, wanted for capture or kill. Okay? This is a man wanted for capture or kill. We've arrested him. We know what he knows. We know because they also took nucle- miniaturized nuclear weapons known as beach ball out of Baghdad, according to John A. Shaw, according to others as well. I was in touch with Jack Shaw. And we, we also um, spoke to others that had been infected by what they brought out and were sick because of it. And they turned over their medical records. We published those in The Perfect Storm. Uh, that's a paper that's uh, an occasional paper uh, that's at the Center for Security Policy. There's another one, What Could Possibly Go Wrong? There's another one about Eamon Nabi Mir. Eamon Mir was the man, the gatekeeper at CFIUS, who bypassed any review of these deals. He was part of ISNA and MINA, named in the Holy Land Foundation trials as terrorist groups. So, Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar's brother and business partner was given a 35-year lease to Port Canaveral. But at the same time that they were given that 35-year lease without the CFIUS review, without the national security threat analysis, they also went into a joint venture with a company, Rostec Rosoboran Export. So right before they got the lease to Port Canaveral, they went into this lease with Rostec Rosoboran Export, a uh, Russian state-owned defense program and uh, that builds their weapons. Well, one of the weapons that they were building and exporting was known as the Club K. The Club K is a cargo container. So here they have the cargo container operations at Port Canaveral. Then they are in business with Rostec Rosobor and Export and a strategic alliance. They export the Club K. That's the Trojan Horse Weapon System. It has a 10-year shelf life. It is operated via satellite. It opens up. It has a caliber missile, which is either tipped with nuclear, biological, chemical, EMP, or your standard payload. So we bring the, the nuclear mastermind that's in a joint venture with the people who export, the Russians who export the Club K. You have to understand the Jafar family has worked for a very long time with the Russians, the Soviets. And so the idea that they brought in this guy on the, on the blacklist wanted for capture or kill, that they bypass any security reviews and they give them a 35-year lease at Port Canaveral uh, adjacent to our nuclear trident turning basin is a bit breathtaking. But it's also... You have to understand a couple other pieces to this. The Club K will it launches, as I say, nuclear weapons. But once they launch inside the wire, inside our own country, our radar points north and east. So once they launch inside our country, there's nothing we can do to shoot it down. 
I just had General McInerney on, and he went into great detail about that. There's nothing we can do once they launch inside our country. But beyond that, at the same time they put the Gulf Tainer deal through, um, bypassing it at CFIUS, they bypassed another deal. And that was the Uranium One deal. Why is that important? Because we were selling 22% of our uranium to Russia. It turned out that the Uranium One deal wasn't related to Canada. It was going to Russia. So that means that the enemy now has our uranium. So if they make a nuclear weapon out of our uranium, it will have our nuclear signature. So it will look like it came from us when it hits us. And that's why it's so important that they handed off um, uh, Gulf Tainer this, this lease. But beyond that, there's some other information surrounding that. Um, and please stop me if you have questions or if I'm going too fast or if you're oh, not understanding no. the information. No, please, please share. I mean, this is information for all of us to put in our information ammo box. Okay, good. So it's, but in order to put them in context, they were at Davos with George Soros and they announced that they were going to take U.S. ports. Now, we had just been through the Dubai Ports World debacle where the American people rose up and they were like, not on your life. We're not handing our ports over to a Middle Eastern ports company. And they had to walk that uh, deal back. That was George W. Bush. Because that was because the American people made such a fuss over handing our ports off like that. Well, that's not the only thing that happened. So after they're at Davos and they're um, bragging that they're taking U.S. ports, they came in to the port of Jacksonville. They paid $250 million dollars. So Gulf Tainer paid $250 million under the table to be the secret silent partner to take over the cargo container operations at Port of Jacksonville. Why is that important? Because the Port of Jacksonville is a stone's throw from Kings Bay, where our Navy submarine base on the East Coast is. So they were going to take... King Port of Jacksonville, where they would be able to launch. And, and this is important because the Russians had told in a Russian defense journal how they were going to destroy us in a Russia, and excuse me, in a Pearl Harbor 2.0 operation. A Pearl Harbor 2.0. They were going to destroy us in our own ports. Well, when someone tells you they're going to kill you, believe them. So not only did they attempt to take over Port of Jacksonville, then they got into Port of Canaveral, and then uh, the Port of Wilmington, with a 50-year lease to the entire port, the entire port, not just the cargo container operations, but everything. And that's important because Joe Biden and Barack Obama set the table for those deals. Uh, no CFIUS review, as I said. They knew who these people were. They knew exactly who these people were. And uh, there's a piece that becomes kind of interesting in the background of this. And that is that the Jafar family, according to Northcutt Eli, who'd been an, uh, an attorney who worked with um, the, the, the Alaska senator, 
that put these deals in place was helping to set up the country of the UAE. And he met Hamid Dia Jafar to do so. Hamid li lives in the UAE. Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar lives in Iraq. Well, the interesting part about this is that the Jafar family had come into Iraq. They had been the one-time ruling family of Iran. They were the ruling family uh, of Iran from 1785 to 1925. They were the Qajar dynasty. They were Khazarians uh, and Turkic. And they had come over, as I said, as the ruling family of Iran. So they're very close to Iran. That North Kadili to told about that when they would go to um, Iran, where their business is headquartered on Africa Expressway, that they were treated like royalty. Well, that's because, in fact, they were royalty to the Iranian people. So these people have a long storied history. Uh, they are the Bathists of the Middle East. The Bathists of the Middle East are the Nazis of the Middle East that worked with uh, Hitler. And so they're, they're you know, the American people, we look at politics or our country does to some degree, sort of, you know, via each presidency or which party is in power. Well, these people are looking at this, you know, in hundred and thousand year um, segments. They make no small plans. and. One of the things that was interesting about the Jafars, they were working with Yevgeny Primakov. He was the ambassador to Iraq. Uh, Yevgeny Primakov, according to Johnny Shaw, was the one who was directing uh, the Spetsnaz to pack up, um, as we were going into Iraq, all the nuclear, biological, chemical weapons. They were moving um, 46 sorties of planes into Syria, but also they had uh, convoys of trucks moving all these weapons of mass destruction out of Iraq so that we would not see them. Jack Shaw, John A. Shaw, and you have to look up who he is, Jack Shaw caught them moving them out of the port of Umm Qasar, uh, which is where, of course, Gulf Tainers, uh, cargo container operations are out of in uh, the Middle East. And that's where they were also moving on the Klaus Sea that was moving uh, weapons into Israel um, for reasons of attacking the Israelis. So and th this family has a long and storied history, and it's not a good history. And it is they are not our friends. They are our enemies. They worked with the Soviet Union. They worked with Yevgeny Primakov. Um, Yevgeny Primakov, is known as the bear in the desert. Um, and he's exposed not just by John A. Shaw, but by many others. There's a book, um, Under the Baghdad Sun, and it puts in story uh, form who the Jafars are and some of the things that they did. And, you know, one of the things is, as Americans, we cannot wrap our minds around, or at least we couldn't until the last couple of years, around some of the things that are taking place across the globe. They just, they're beyond our comprehension. They're beyond our imagination. But um, when they started telling about who the Jafars were, and I think this was in Under the Baghdad Sun, they hired some um, physicists that were women, and uh, they weren't all Muslim. And they tell about how they had them serve them uh, drinks, etc., while unclothed, and then those that were not Muslim were murdered. 
So the stories, you know, and if we had a mainstream media, by the way, if they were telling the American people any truth, they would come forward and and put these people in context. And they would be out, out of their minds if they had an iota of sense to know who was being brought inside the wire, who was giving our ports operations, who was being given our ports operations while they had a weapon of mass destruction, the Club K cargo container that launches nuclear biological chemical EMP. You know, I worked with Dr. Peter Pry on this, and we tried desperately to get this stopped. We went uh, to try to stop this going in to the port of Wilmington again, um, because this is so dangerous. Because we actually have Dr. Jaf- Dr. Jafar uh, Saddam's, um, uh, the people that are were his top uh, uh, cabinet officials. And Dr. Tafar was particularly interesting because not only was he his nuclear mastermind, but he ran an agency of 35,000 people. He also ran Unit 999. Those are his special forces terrorists, okay? One of the members of Unit 999 was connected to the Oklahoma City bombing. That was the third bomber. We've written a piece about that, and um, that information came out of Jonna Davis's book. They never had not initially been able to identify the third bomber. But when they identified that bomber and the Pentagon did is a member of Unit 999, Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar had oversight over Unit 999. Those were the people that took down the Oklahoma City, the bombing there. Wow, that's <clears throat> that's a pretty deep rabbit hole. Um you almost have to wonder some of these traders you have to ask are they even american because uh to betray a nation like that with uh as you're speaking with hammerson scorecard and selling our ports i mean that's that's putting uh your own family in danger if if they're in this country i mean that's that's crazy is there like um a motive I mean, is it for like power and money or it's got to be something much deeper? Well, um, they refer to us as the big Satan or as Israel is a big, the big Satan and the little Satan. But what's interesting to help put this in context is um, Dr. Jafar, dear Jafar, Iraq, Yevgeny Primakov put together in the late 90s, 1990s, what is known as the Islamic Bloc the Islamic bloc. And the Islamic bloc consisted of Iraq, Iran, um, all, all these Middle Eastern countries, as well as Dr. Jafar was working with China and North Korea. And of course, the Soviets, Russia, they were working very closely with Yevgeny Primakov. So I said the bear in the desert. And he was considered one of the most important spies ever and uh, the minister of the Soviet Union. And so he put together this Islamic bloc, but the Islamic bloc, and are you, are you familiar with the perestroika deception? Uh, no. Okay. So Golitsyn um, wrote a book and he exposed the perestroika deception. And he told that the Soviet Union didn't really collapse. They, it was all pretense. So they were uh, pretending to collapse as they then started working assiduously together 
the Islamic bloc was working in concert. And so this was known as China was working with Russia all along. This whole, uh, the dragon and the bear weren't working together was, was not true. We are, this is now the, re, the big reveal of the perestroika deception where, um, Russia was pretending to have collapsed, but only to come back stronger. And that was so that they could get into trading status with everyone and bring in more money so that they could build their weapons systems. Uh, so that was important for them. But the scissor strategy all along from the late 90s was that China and Russia were working in concert toward our destruction. China and Russia since the 90s have been working in concert toward our destruction. That is the perestroika deception. That is what had been revealed at this point that we now see them working together. And so um, you see them as trading partners. You're now seeing China providing weapons to Russia. You're seeing China, um, and, and it's really pretty stunning. You're seeing China um, uh, putting together the Iranians with the Saudis so that they're working in concert. So the Saudis who, you know, helped us bring forward the petrodollar have now flipped and are working with Iran. So now what had been the Islamic bloc and the perestroika deception is out in the open. And they have all worked in concert, are working in concert toward our destruction. This is an incredibly dangerous time. In fact, this is what we had, um, we did a film about, I did a film Absolute Peril. And Absolute Peril is with General McInerney, uh, General Flynn, General Arbuckle, and Colonel Lawrence Sellen. And they they tell about this Chinese plan that's been in play um, really since the late 90s, but we didn't know about it until 2005. Um, and they they said there was one speech that was given by General Chi Ho Tien. And this this is their plan to take over the globe, and it's known as unrestricted warfare. <clears throat> unrestricted warfare. So General Chi Ho Tien, he comes forward and he tells how they're going to destroy us. And they're going to use um, not kinetic warfare so much as biological, you know, COVID. Um, so biological weapons, then they'll use lawfare, uh, you know, economic warfare, everything to destroy us. General Chi Ho Tien did not hold back. He told that they had to to kill a minimum of 200 million Americans. That's when, you know, remember he's giving this speech and uh, we think about 2000 and he's saying that it's either them or us. They must kill 200 million Americans because he says that their their lands are no good, their water's no good. And they he makes claim that the Chinese, in fact, were the ones who discovered America and it's time to take it back because it is either them or us. It's either them or us. So they are at a point where they have to, to take out and, and remove the American people from these lands. And so um, it's, it's important that, that people understand unrestricted warfare. We've talked about it quite a bit on um, Saturday nights. As I said, we do the intelligence briefing with John B. Wells on the Salem Radio Network. You can either catch it on Salem Radio or it's always on YouTube Live, Opslens, Roku, you know, quite a few other um, broadcasts, uh, live streaming. But 
the information that we bring, we bring military um, experts or um, experts in medicine or and bioweapons. We try to bring the information to the American people. It's really strategic radio. It's a briefing. The intelligence briefing is so that the American people are hearing the the information from the experts like Gordon Chang. And in fact, I'll tell you one of the most stunning guests that I've had a few times, and he made a, a video for me for Christmas and and told what we're watching across the globe. And I also have this on the American Report. Org. It is worth anyone's while to go back. It's the recording, and I've also uh, written exactly what he said. But this is Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. And he came forward, um, Pope Benedict, before they took him down, and he was replaced by um, Bergoglio. Uh, he exposed the plans and how the Vatican and and those who are the bad guys in the Vatican are working toward this globalism, this new world order. And Archbishop Vigano puts it very clearly and concisely to what's taking place and, um, and what's happening in our world and how we can stop it. So it's a, it's a spiritual battle as well as on every other front. And I, I think that Archbishop Vigano gives us some wise words. I mean, we've had so many interesting people that have come on. If you want to understand the plan that they're running to beyond what Archbishop Vigano tells us, it's also exactly what Jeremy Brown. Uh, this is a Green Beret. He tells the war plan that they're using against the American people and what they're doing to defeat us. And if understanding what they're doing is so important because knowing what they're doing is, is, a, is a great help in being able to defeat it. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's definitely good versus evil, and it's going to come to a point where most of the people are going to have to unite shoulder to shoulder. But there was one thing you were uh, touching on. When they took over the Canaveral port, if dates line up, interesting, didn't the... Invictus Games happened there in 2016. Is there any connections with that? Well, when you have to, so they they took over the port and this deal called Project Pelican two weeks before the deal was signed. So one, they bypassed, so completely illegal. They bypassed a CFIUS review or national security threat analysis. Remember, they're going into a, a military base, basically, is what's at Port Canaveral. It's where our air, sea, and space command. It's where our drones go out of, our satellites go out of. It's also where the plane that runs a nuclear war is going in and out of, okay? Those planes, they, they come in and out. One is always up in the air. Those are used to run a nuclear war should we find ourselves in one. The idea that you've got the enemy and within close quarters should scare the daylights out of anyone. So... So it's it, beyond that, they went into the joint venture with Rostec Rosa Boron Export for the exporting of the Club K. They also, at the same time, uh, started taking over Russia's um, port, and that's the one port that they moved nuclear materials out of. They then, at the same time, brought Gulf Tainer inside the wire. No one in their right mind, no one in their right mind 
would be bringing a nuclear mastermind that's on the blacklist, the Pentagon's blacklist, wanted for capture or kill. No one would be handing them our ports with a Trojan horse cargo container weapon system. Now, it gets worse. Not only is Gulf Tainer um, in business and a strategic alliance with the exporters of the Club K, but also they have an, an airline uh, company. And that company is has a 30% stake. Uh, Hutchison Wampoa has a 30% stake in that company. Why is that important? Well, because Hutchison Wampoa holds the leases to inspect the cargo containers. And Hutchison Wampoa is the Chinese. Wow. <laughs> this is all mind blowing. <clears throat> this what makes me think too is uh, what's pretty scary. Wouldn't the governor in that area have a good idea on what's going on in, in his state? You know what? We got in touch with Governor DeSantis. We sent him this information. Now, yes, we sent him this information. But we also, um, so as we were doing all these uh, reports, these occasional papers, and as I said, you can find the perfect storm uh, at the Center for Security Policy. What could possibly go wrong? That's maybe 38 pages to the other one is 109 um, there's several reports, but, and those reports aren't just reports that we happened to write and, and they just sat there. They did intelligence briefings around the country with intelligence experts of, around those reports. Admiral Lyons started, um, echoing all of our reports, writing pieces in, until they blocked him from publishing them any longer. And so he was writing pieces about our work trying to bring attention to this. Then we met with Representative Dan Donovan. He put through, after meeting with us, uh, two bills, um, as I said, H.R. 7213, countering weapons of mass destruction, and FIRMA. And so those two bills gave, gave us the ability to um, take back any of the deals that China was getting to buy farmlands in this country or the lands around our military bases, which is significant. It is significant what they have been doing because, of course, there's people on the inside that have been bought off or, or have been compromised, but they're not standing up for this country. So Representative Dan Donovan, he then put these bills together. I, I went, we met with him. We laid all this out for him. I went with um, a man named John Malloy, who was the head of the uh, Veterans Association, and we laid this out for quite a few hours. And so then he brought, and um, there's a, pa a paper we wrote on this, and you can see when President Trump signs those two bills. Those two bills give us the ability to kick China out and to take back our, our property and confiscate it. Um, so that was important that we have that in place, but it doesn't do us a bit of good if we don't have some officials who will make sure that that takes place, right? You, if there's no one to enforce the rule of law, then it doesn't make much difference if you have the rule of law or if you have those bills. So um, it's great that we got it taken care of, but we need someone to enforce it. We gave that information to Governor DeSantis. Uh, we 
we didn't see him do anything. But you have to remember something else. There's oftentimes that there are things that are going on um, that we don't know exactly what else, you know, has taken place. But it's an incredibly dangerous situation. And the opening of um, the perfect storm, it reminds people that every time you hear those mournful horns of the whistles blowing in the night, as you watch those trains with the cargo containers on them moving through the nights, understand that on every one of those trains could be a a Club K, a Trojan Horse Club K weapon system that's a nuclear weapon. And remember that Barack Obama and Joe Biden put those deals in place. They set the table. They brought the enemy inside the wire. They knew that they had the leases to the Club K, and I'll tell you why. When Barack Hussein Obama came in, the first thing he did was cancel future combat systems. Why is that important? Future combat systems was the first modernization of our weapon systems since World War II. Obama's first day in office, he canceled future combat systems. One system was not canceled yet, and that was the Enlos LS. The Enlos LS was missiles in a box. Ash Carter was put in charge. Ash Carter was a good friend of the Clintons. We had put $1.6 billion in 13 years of research and development, 13 years of R&D, into Enlos LS. It was 95% complete, 97% complete. Ash Carter canceled it. And within 30 days, so it took us 13 years of R&D to create this thing, the Enlos LS. The Enlos LS and the Club K are one and the same. Ash Carter canceled it. Within 30 days, Russia showed up with it. If it took us 13 years and $1.6 billion, highly unlikely that Russia accomplished that in under 30 days. Wow, you're just <clears throat> absolutely uh, blowing my mind here. And um, there's a lot of researchers out there where I'm sure this this is really going to help them with a lot of their research, which <clears throat> it's definitely a pleasure to have you on here. Well, thank you. Um, I'll tell you something. We have had more people <laughs> take our work and make videos and films about them. But you have to know what you're talking about. You know, we can't have someone talking about the K car and, you know, talking about all the, the principles that are involved in this and not getting it right. You know, it took us four years to do all the work on the ports and Gulf Caner and the Jafars and the Abraj group. The Abraj group was their Middle Eastern hedge fund. Why is that important? Well, because running the Abraj group was Barack Obama's Occidental college roommate. Wow. With the Jafars. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Now, Mary, be, if we're getting up to an hour here, before we get into Q&A, did you want to um, shed light on the Dr. Michael Shore, Shore, I believe it is? 
So um, did, were you able to listen to the National Security Hour? It will come in podcast and be up in two days so that you can re-listen to it. So I did a show yesterday with Dr. Michael Shore. Dr. Michael Shore, it was the um, in the CIA for, I think, 40 years. He was in charge of the bin Laden team. And yesterday he told about they had bin Laden on nine different occasions and nine different times they were told to stand down and not to, not to capture him. And it was interesting. Um, he didn't say this yesterday, but I've heard him before. And we've, you know, we've been on um, their radio show as well. And he, you know, so here's a guy that runs a bin Laden team is in the agency for that many years. And he said, you know, I don't believe a word they tell me. So yesterday we were going over there or today, I guess it broadcast, going over the information about the Jafars and that they did have nuclear weapons in Iraq. And for the, and so he started talking about um, Osama bin Laden and it was all, it was almost as though it was, a, you know, a light bulb went on that it was a game of where's Waldo running after Osama bin Laden to, to put everybody's attention on that instead of what was actually taking place instead of the, um, the weapons of mass destruction that were going, you know, in Iraq instead of the um, the uh, information about Dr. Jafar, Dia Jafar. Remember, these people don't think like, you know, they have long range plans. And so uh, they did not want people to to understand what was really taking place in Iraq and the um, how the Spetsnaz, how the Russians moved everything into Syria and into other places as well. But uh, it helps to understand the bear in the desert, Yevgeny Primakov. Who is Yevgeny Primakov? So besides being the ambassador to Iraq, working with Saddam Hussein and working with the Jafars, Dr. Jafar, Dia Jafar, and his, as I said, he ran 35,000 people as well as the Unit 999, their, their special forces. Um, it's important to understand Yevgeny Primakov Yevgeny Primakov, it was interesting that he came into the United States and he was ha having dinner with Madeleine Albright. Really? That's, that's kind of unusual, isn't it? Well, what it turned out is that Yevgeny Primakov, do you remember the spies that we found in, at the uh, FBI? Hansen and the spies that we found in the Navy? Jonathan Pollard. Well, the spy that was running both of those people, those were the, the most damaging spies that we, had, we have had in our history. The amount of our um, people in our agencies that they actually had killed because they were, they were being exposed who was undercover and who were our assets in other, uh, in other countries. At one point when uh, John Podesta came in, not John Podesta, excuse me, Leon Panetta, when he came in, Within one year, we didn't have one asset, one spy left in China. But it's, which is one of those things that you should remember and keep in mind. But beyond that, the idea that Yevgeny Primakov was the handler from the two most damaging spies that had the two most, um, uh, the greatest number of our own assets killed, they were all answering their handler was Yevgeny Primakov. Wow, this is nuts. <clears throat> this is really something else. 
I, you know, it would be awesome if you, John B. Wells, and uh, General McInerney did like one of those documentaries, like uh, uh, died suddenly. Um, I would really love to to blast this all over the place for people, but I know I'm going to share this interview with many of my family and uh, hopefully it travels because this information is very important for people to wake up, you know, because when they learn of this, uh, this definitely will help with their awakening process. And it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or there's conservative uh, sleepers out there that has no clue what's going on neither. So I really appreciate all this information, man. Yeah, you should keep in mind that Magid uh, Jafar, Badr Jafar's brother, was working closely with the Clintons and the Clinton Global Initiative. And the day that we brought out this piece on the perfect storm and we exposed um, who was working to get them inside our ports, and Hillary Clinton had raised $70 billion in promissory notes from the Middle East. $70 billion in promissory notes at the Clinton Global Initiative. And the day we brought out this this occasional paper and they started doing intelligence briefings on it across the country, and most of those were the good CIA people, right? People trying to protect the country. Um, The Clinton Global Initiative closed down that day. Now, it recently opened up again, which should make everyone feel very uncomfortable. You know, I'm glad you said that. Uh, $70 billion. You have to wonder, what was she selling and what were they buying? For $70 billion. That's like the million dollar question, huh? Yeah, the seventy billion dollar question. <laughs> seventy billion. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow. So, and and that's there's there's quite a bit more that's been going on in this country. But the idea that Hunter Biden was facili- was doing deals with China, so we know about you know just a speck of the money at this point, and that there's the amount of Biden family members that were in on that that uh, the Treasury Department was withholding. Now, why would the Treasury Department be withholding documentation that proved that the Biden family are traitors and that they were selling us out to our adversaries and that Hunter Biden was facilitating energy deals between Russia and China, our adversaries, while turning our spigots off, while handing over our strategic petroleum reserve, you know, the reserve that you hold should you be going into a war. Instead, the Biden administration is handing our strategic petroleum reserve over to China, to China. The only thing I can think is uh, everybody's getting a piece of the pie. Um, But I'm sure the big guy's getting his percentage first no doubt people should keep in mind that joe biden came out of council for a livable world council for a livable world was founded by armand and julius hammer 
Both of them were Soviet spies. Both of them were Soviet agents. They, their plan, because they couldn't turn the country communist with the Communist Party USA, which was always a Soviet operation, was that they would start going into the smallest states first, and they would then start putting people that they could get elected into Congress so that they could control this country via their politicians. The first state that they went into, they decided to start with the smaller states first, was Delaware. And one of the first people that they put into place was Joseph Biden. He came out of Council for a Livable World. So Council for a Livable World was also founded by Leo Schlazard, a nuclear scientist who was a Soviet spy. And it's interesting to understand that Council for a Livable World, their bag man, the man that was funding and getting funding for it, was none other than Al Gore Sr. Wow, that's interesting. And it's yeah. generational. It's funny, how, it's funny how they uh, operate with these uh, community organizations and activist groups, which it touches on the heartstrings of the people where you hear counsel for a livable world. You're like, oh, wow, you know, they're, uh, they're out there to help people. But uh, it's probably some type of uh, money laundering scheme that's going on as well. Well, it's like FTX, you know, oh, this, you know, this great, you know, this young, goofy kid, billionaire, and he's collecting all this money. Go read the piece that we did on, on um, Bankman Freed. All those monies and all the people that lost their shirt in that, there was one big winner. One of the early investors was Binance. Binance goes back to a CCP operative. It's Binance is China. They got out of that with a whole bunch of money. Everybody else lost their shirt. And so it's beyond that. That meant that they were round-tripping the money through the laundry facility known as Ukraine. And that was going into Dems' uh, pockets and into the DNC for, the, for their elections. Yeah, I'm sure uh, waiting for that Congress hearing to unfold on that FTX um you know, I interviewed on top of that uh, Judge Joe Brown. Yeah. And he was telling me about um, an ex-prosecutor and him were playing out like a courtroom setting with um, Hunter Biden's laptop. And he said him and that prosecutor looked at each other and said, uh, we don't know why these people aren't in jail. And then what he revealed to me exactly. that there's three laptops. And he said, man, it is mind-blowing. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I, I don't see how these people are, um, well. Walking the street? <laughs> we see Biden on TV jibber-jabbering, but Hunter's nowhere to be found, like. These people should definitely be locked up. And I believe God is going to bring justice to these guys. There's just too much evidence. Well, you know, it's just the whole family story gets pretty nasty. And I don't know, things are complicated these days, but gosh, never knew they were that complicated. 
Yes, I agree 100%. And um, probably going to have to get you back on here for part three, Mary, uh, with the, the work you guys are doing over there. Um, is there anything that you would like for the audience to know how you know they can follow you? I said uh, her Telegram group is American Report. It is on the wall. Um, we have her radio show on the wall as well. If you guys want to go save that or join her group. But if there's anything else you want to talk with the audience or let them know before we go into Q&A. And I yeah, appreciate your time that you're giving us. So there's a couple of things. And remember that there are 2% of these people. Um, remember that Bader Jafar works closely with Klaus Schwab, another one of his acolytes for the World Economic Forum. These are the people who are taking us into that long, dark night that Reagan warned about. And if we don't take our country back, we truly are going into a thousand years of darkness. And there's, there's plenty of ways for people to get involved. Get local. Take back your communities. Make yourself heard. You'll be so surprised at how many people agree with you. You know, I see, you know, one of my favorite people is on this call. And she, you know, talk about a, a great woman. Um, you know, got out there, ran for office. Helene McNeil, thank you. You're wonderful. Um, you know, right at this point, I'd almost, you know, there's a truck driver that was elected, I think, in New Jersey. You know, I, at this point, I would want to elect someone who's not a politician, who's not part of this game. This is about our freedom. We need to take back our country. It's going to take us standing shoulder to shoulder. Everything that they've done is to divide us. Because a divided country, country falls, united we stand, divided we fall. All this garbage that they're trying to divide the people, and then all this other bizarro stuff that they're th shoving down everybody's throats. Ignore it. You know, there's 2% of them at, at most, and then there's the rest of us. This is our God-given country. We are going to take it back. We are going to do that by standing together. We do not take orders from these people. Um, remember who we are. Stand shoulder to shoulder. Take back our country and, and let these. I can't say that out loud. <laughs> We're let these rotten here, but... <laughs> people. Let, let them rot to the core. They're already rotten. So, um, it's truly standing together, making ourselves heard. Look at there's six people who you know who own the media. Do we trust any of them? What you know? Why aren't the members of Congress listening to the alternate media? Because there's no one in the mainstream media that tells the truth. Not once, not ever. You know, Mary, I, I forgot to ask you if uh, you wanted to go by any pronouns. I'm so sorry. Pronouns. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> I know it's a joke. I mean, come on. This is inside out, upside down. This is what communism looks like. This is what Bill Ayers' prairie fires looks like. This is burning down the United States. It's burning down any of our belief system. It's destroying the U.S. Constitution. No rights to free speech. You're a domestic terrorist if you don't if you don't uh, pony up to what these perverts are telling us to do. Screw them. I agree. 
if you want to get into Q&A, Mary, how much time do we have with you? I just don't want to go over your time limits. Well, let's see how many questions there are. People may not have questions, but if they do, I'm happy to answer them. All right, if anyone has a question, if you press the middle button, we can see your hand raised and uh, we can call upon you. All right, Professor, you're up. And then Kelly, you're after Professor. Hi, Mary. I was just wondering if um, you've seen the same stuff I have with regards to ISIS actually forming out of the Islamic bloc. And Mary, your mic is muted. It was just okay. got rid of the echo. So ISIS, there's some interesting information about ISIS. Um, look into some of the lawsuits that just came to the fore in France and who was funding ISIS. Have you seen any of that information on Ericsson? I have not yet, no. Well, remember one of the things that, that um, I believe the reason that they went after General Flynn is because he showed that they were, um, the Obama administration was shipping weapons to ISIS and Al-Qaeda in Syria. I think that's important. I mean, it's not a whole lot different than Fast and Furious now, is it? If you're arming the enemy, then that's that, gosh, seems like treason to me. Does that answer your question, Professor? Oh, yes, it does. Thank you for your question, Professor. Kelly, you are up. The answer. Hi, Mary. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for coming on. And uh, I watch, or not watch, I listen and uh, I get a little nervous. I listen all the time to John B. Wells, or it's midnight, and I get, I see or I listen to you on there. So uh, it's really neat. I think I talked to you a while back on here, but I appreciate your wealth of knowledge. And if you can tell him hello for me one day, that'd be great. Cause uh, I fall, I listen to his show sometimes throughout the week and it's, he's a wealth of knowledge. So thank you. Uh, my question for you tonight is uh, a little bit about the banks. Uh, what do you feel about that? You, you know, I hear, of course, this is the beginning and um, I want, I'm starting to really believe it. You know, it took me a little bit. I've been, collecting silver and doing this and doing that trying to get out of the banking system but i mean reality is even patriots we kind of had to see it this past week to believe it so what do you um what is your thinking on the banking system and how is that going to affect everybody you know is that going to be when they hit rock bottom you know and uh wake up finally and again thank you so much and um keep rocking it on the show especially thanks again and your mic is muted, Mary. Okay. Um, I'll be sure, first of all, to give your regards to John B. Wells. He's a great, great man, great patriot. And um, thank you for listening to our intelligence briefing. And um, as far as um, 
we addressed what we saw, um, in fact, last week on our show on the National Security Hour. And then Maria Bartiromo came out with it, I think, yesterday morning, the same information. What was most disturbing about this deal was that they were funding all these deals out of China. Now, everyone else was risk adverse and would not fund these China deals. But they went ahead and did it. And so the idea that the American people, I went into great length in explaining this on the National Security Hour, I think it was on Wednesday. And I think that's up on um, uh, on America Out Loud to listen to. But this looks like um, what they're doing. And remember something else. As soon as this came out, they started ringing the bell about collapse, collapse. And then we found out that they were only going to cover the big banks. And so they were really trying to start a run on the bank, on the community and banks and the regional banks. They wanted people to panic. What they wanted to do was to collapse these regional banks and these community banks so that people could only go through the big banks so that they were exerting more control. This is not, this is, this is like a, a replay to some degree of what they did with TARP and Obama. And when, you know, does, does anyone understand what took place with um, TARP and how they used the Community Reinvestment Act loan and the Ninja loans to collapse the housing market? And a lot of that was to create panic to bring Obama into office at all. But then they started taking those TARP monies and they started funding their team with our taxes. And it took us how many years to find out that most of those TARP monies, which, by the way, the government has no money unless they confiscate it from us, right? They have no money to spend. So with with the collapse of the housing market in 2008, then Obama started doing things like taking the Class A stock from General Motors redistributing, you know, taking someone's stock and saying, I think you should have it instead. Outrageous theft. He then gave the class A stock, took it away from the the rightful uh, shareholders and gave it to the union. Then started taking away um, agencies and people were, you could hear the, you know, people were losing it. You know, these were multi-generational uh, car agencies that were being held. Instead, they were giving them to Mac McClarty and Vernon, uh, you know, uh, who was Valerie Jarrett's cousin's husband. It, you know, it was a fiasco. It was a theft mechanism to enrich their team and take away money from conservatives once again. This looks in some ways to be much of the same operation, but this is what much bigger they're trying to collapse the smaller banks, the regional, as I said, and the community banks, so that they can bring in their digital currency, which is ultimate control, because now you will no longer have access to your own money without permission from the central bank. And you will also, you know, sort of this is an automatic implementation of Chinese styles social credit scores. I mean, this is fascism. This is communism. This is taking away all rights, destroying the U.S. Constitution. If, you know, from the moment, by the way, we started doing business with China, and Henry Kissinger has a whole lot to answer for. The moment we started doing business with China, and then the fact that we've opened our borders, if you have no border, you have no country. So open borders where everyone from around the world 
How many million in the last year have fled into our borders? How many does that put into every city? We'd already offshored and outsourced how many our means of production, steel, the automobile industry. You know, now we're bringing all these people in as, as we're hearing about famine and fertilizer shortages. This is for chaos and confusion. But beyond that, this open borders, um, this is also the fentanyl crisis. This is much like um, the opium wars that were run on China. The amount of 107 to 109,000 people, young people dead this year from fentanyl poisoning that comes from China through these cartels, that's the amount of people we lost in, in World War II. In one year, we've lost 109,000. That's probably young, um, healthy uh, Americans. Also, after they had these lockdowns, this craziness to destroy the middle class and destroy their businesses and turn everything over to the big box stores like Amazon and put all these middle class um, small business owners out of business. And you can look at the numbers, what it used to be uh, small business owners to what it is now. So what we're seeing is um, this contraction of you know who owns what. At the same time, they're bringing in inflation. So everything, you know, look, and I, these, these numbers, I don't know about you guys, but I see these numbers and they say, oh, you know, it's only up 12% or like, it's awful. It's up 12%. My eye, I mean, I know what it costs me for like that Christmas Eve dinner where you buy, you know, your biggest grocery bill ever for the extended family. And I'm seeing my grocery bills are like that on a weekly basis now. This is nuts. This is inflation. And it's exactly what they do to every country where they go to collapse it and then to enslave the people. And if, I'm not sure if that answered your question. It did. Thank you again. You're welcome. We have anybody else that has a question. <clears throat> if you press the middle button, we can see your hand raised. I think they're going to let you off the hook easy tonight, Mary. Okay, that is easy. <laughs> if well, there's any ad, any admins on here that has a question, um, now's your time if you have a question. If not, we're not going to keep Mary too much longer. Um, okay, I'm surprised that Marshall doesn't have a question. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you very much, but, you know, please... Ask the American people to stand shoulder to shoulder. These are our American brothers and sisters. Um, if we stand together, we take back our country. Praise God. Uh, it's time Praise for God. people to wake up. If you're Democrat, Socialist, Republican, and you're listening to this speaking, forget what your ideology is because we're all in the same boat and we need to come together. I agree. We're brothers and sisters, and I say that all the time when I'm on this chat. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, we'll be in touch. You have my number. If there's anything I can do, please get in touch. Most definitely. Thank you, Mary, and uh, I'll talk to you on bringing you back again. Thank you, and God bless. God bless God America, bless. too.